Welcome to Behind the Pixel, an underground podcast. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm Joe. I'm the guy behind Underground. Underground is a ubiquitous term that a lot of us understand regardless of what our background is. We may have different variations of the specific meaning, but to every one of us who feels a part of any underground scene, there's a theme that resonates throughout. Underground at its core, no matter the scene, is the most honest depiction of ourselves. Who we are may not be accepted by mainstream culture, so we hide it away and find others like us who find a way to this hidden community. To outsiders, it's difficult to explain. It's easier to put labels like hipster or punk on people like us. But to anyone in one of these subcultures, we know there's too much nuance to be captured in those words. But like any other group, we typically recognize others in these underground communities based on dress codes, slang words, shared values, but most importantly, a shared taste in the media we consume, be it music, film, or any other art form. I've always gravitated towards these scenes, and over the past two years, I've been bringing what I know, and what I love, to this thing I call Underground. Underground's publication has focused on discovering the yet-to-be-discovered artists. But the whole idea of Underground is based on two music publications that were popular in the early 2000s, Pitchfork and Alternative Press. This is how many of us found new music and connected with others who had an unquenchable need for new music that we pirated gigabytes and then terabytes onto the hard drives of our computers and iPods. I never had to explain any of this to my co-host Alex, or as many people on Twitter know him, Quitters. He's from the same scene as me, and maybe even you. The publication of Underground is just a matter of doing what I've always done when it came to any art form. Digging and finding those creations, whether it's a song, a piece of art, or a movie, that resonated with me and telling others about it. I felt like I was doing something important, something that mattered, and I thought everyone would be happy. I've come to realize that success is very subjective. And what I see as artists making it in this space, getting to one of those larger gated platforms like Super Rare, there still remains a gap of support for those artists. So while the artists that we'll be speaking to may have had a level of success that may be too big for something like Underground Digs, they still remain unseen or unheard and remain dedicated to the underground art scene in Web3. So what is this podcast about? If you saw my tweet regarding the Tezpol fiasco, the conversation you're about to hear may sound like a regurgitation of that. Except this was recorded more than six months ago, and that Twitter rant was last week. This is just who Quitters and I are. We talk about anything and everything that matters, as long as it's honest and true to ourselves, and most importantly, our guests. So this is the beginning of Behind the Pixel. Do people like want to know who we are? Or do they want to listen to two male presenting us like cis white guys talking about what they think is the value of ethics and morality? Um, Because that's not what I would. Uh, no, that's um, not what I would listen to either. <laughs> like, and I think that's a problem. Because <laughs> I don't want to listen to myself either. But I have no yeah. intentions of listening to this after we record it. 
Yeah, I have all the intentions of other people listening to it. Um, I have the intention of people listening to it and being like, oh, I'm glad I listened to that. I might listen to another. Uh, God, I know. It's that balance of wanting to make something good, wanting to make a statement, but also not being... Because that's the thing, is like we spend so much time uh, not caring what other people think about the things we say and do, and this is you and, and me. And then you look like you're trying too hard to be counterculture, which is yeah. also like cringe. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what I want to do. Yeah. And I've been accused of it before, of uh, you know being a hipster just because you know I don't like a lot of things. I'm very critical of things. Um, and I think uh, on some level, I probably started out that way. Um, now mm. that I'm old, like uh, that sometimes you just like some garbage. And maybe, you know, maybe that is the secret to all of this is whether or not people like it is that sometimes people like garbage that comes out of my mouth and your mouth. And maybe mm. that's the entire podcast. Mm. Here's here's some shit we said. You can listen to it or don't hashtag treasure. <laughs> We're really going out on a limb with this podcast. Like, hey, like us, like our podcast. We hate everyone, but you should <laughs> you should like us. <laughs> Good morning. Good night. We're all going to make it despite it being a zero sum game. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I think that uh mindset that you have is kind of why one we are friends and get along but two um i don't remember who uh said it but the person i was talking to said um oh you got to meet this guy quitters uh i would love that was our friend lenny available that was lenny yeah okay uh he's the one who introduced us yeah he said, um, I would love to hear what he has to say on things, which makes sense now, considering you guys were both in that discord and you're the one stirring the pot, trying to actually have a discussion rather than. Uh, I don't even know what to call these things. It's and so and, I would. Yes, I would say it has a lot of elements of uh, like group emotional contagion. Like, for example, you go to. Uh, a church and everyone is uh, singing their heart out they're all like crying mm-hmm. uh even if you go to a concert let's say uh that has no religious connotation to it but like people are getting that frisson that feeling of like hey this is a really big feeling that we're having uh that is always uh, uh like mul- multiplied by being around people who are also feeling the same thing and when you have that group contagion you can get a lot of uh, uh things out of people uh, especially if you're the one that's kind of leading in this uh, emotional uh, uh, group think. Right. And yeah. especially when there's things like money on the line and promising people about uh, uh, wealth and uh, creating ideas like, hey, if we all follow these rules and tenets that I'm setting out, then we're all going to be, be rich. Um, that type of uh, excitement and enthusiasm, it's, it's, it's uh, addictive. And even really bright people are uh, uh, prone to getting really caught up in, in that uh, mentality that uh, everyone else is sharing. Right. Um, and I think um, that we kind of confuse those two things as uh, community and culture when it's just these soulless, just like quick, you know, sound bites almost back and forth to each other. And you're right. It is addictive. Um, but that, 
that term culture and community gets thrown around a lot. And I don't know. I don't know how to uh, discern between <clears throat> genuine people um, or people that, you know, maybe don't have that emotional depth um, to actually see it because some of that surface level stuff is enough for people uh, mm -hmm. to constitute an emotional connection. So it's hard. It's really hard to find people that, you know, share the same things, but you know, you know, you and I have been friends for probably almost a year now. And yeah, I, I think do think I have found um, someone that got what underground was right from the get go from the second we started talking because of our shared backgrounds. Um, and especially with the religion stuff, but also just the way uh, we grew up with music and your radio shows and stuff like you. I explained the idea to you and you just hook, line and sinker got it, um, which is why, you know, I wanted to do this show that has taken a year to get off the ground and finally start recording. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. You see, when I was in college, I studied radio broadcasting. Uh, but at the same time, I found a lot of value in being able to share things that uh, were new and exciting to me. Uh, and there is nothing better than being able to share something and then have that feeling that someone else appreciates and values that thing that I think is cool. And you can have that with movies, recommending a, a favorite movie to your friend and you both sit down and watch it. Uh, either they're going to be looking at their phone or unimpressed and the entire time you're just got the sinking feeling in your gut. Like, they're not watching my favorite movie in the right way. Um, <laughs> I um, have a movie that um, I used to show uh, girls that I was dating to like kind of do a test with them. Uh, the Fountain by Darren Aronofsky, <laughs> um, which is a tough movie, but it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, I think it's perfect in every way. Uh, I showed it's not it to a date movie, my man. <laughs> it's not a date movie, <laughs> but that movie represents a lot of a deep thinking and a lot of, you know, movie uh, styles and techniques that I love. Um, and I showed it to my now wife, uh, probably within like the first like three months of dating. I fell asleep uh, because it's a very soothing, like quiet movie, too. So I fell asleep. She stayed up, watched the whole thing, was sobbing by herself for a half hour afterwards. But I, that's when you know you find the one. Yeah, exactly. And now we're married. But yeah, like it's not terrifying, um, but it's a level of vulnerability sharing things that you like with other people yeah. that takes a while to work up the courage or find the right people that you're sharing things with. Um, like when I was in high school, um, our big thing was sharing music with each other. And we all wanted to be first to the scene and stuff like that, which is and that's you know, uh, what I wanted to build into underground and I didn't have to explain that feeling to you at all. Mm -hmm. Um, because there is that shared community of just like saying like, Oh, this is cool stuff. And other people are like, Oh, I'm excited about that stuff too. And that's what like that... actual community is. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think that there's an interesting going back to whether or not like sharing art in the NFT space can constitute as a community. It certainly can. But do you sometimes feel that there's this like late stage capitalism vibe where you also have to 
uh, if you were to recommend an artist to a friend, you have to make sure that if they, uh, you, you can't just say, hey, I like the art. You need to look at the fundamentals, make sure they're not a scammer, make sure that it's not uh, uh, something that is not worth anything. And there's this weird idea of like a uh, uh, capital value that you're also trying to suggest or, or and I think that's really common in the like uh, whale groups or in the groups where people are like, hey, here's what you should buy to make money, which unfortunately seems to be uh, more common than you would in just like a social media platform where none of the uh, tokens representing authenticity have any capital value. Um, but being able to still exist in that space and then reject that and still say, hey, this artist who everything is free and has no value uh, uh, in terms of NFT is still fucking amazing. Being able to talk about that kind of thing, I think uh, uh, we have this global community where a lot of it is slimy, but there are another large, uh, a wonder bit, uh, wonderful bits of subsets, and especially in the Tesos community, I think because of the like punk rock vibes that uh, it has in its roots, where the value is in art and supporting artists. And I think that there is uh, that philosophy and that kind of uh, value system behind what we're doing with underground. Also like a necessity too, like with a small budget, you have to uh, <laughs> stretch yeah. every dollar uh, that you can. Um, but there's also less of a risk when you do it this way because you're kind of um i mean like there's only one way to go up but also it's not a terrible sum of money that you're like oh do i need to buy myself lunch today or buy this piece of art and give it away to someone else and mm-hmm. um we always talk about like how that is a new feature for nfts where like there's a difference between supporting an artist uh at you know a town uh art fest uh where you're buying art off of the street you know you can buy it and you can validate that artist's talent because you just like it but at the same time it's you're making a decision to just kind of light that money on fire and say i don't need this but your talent is so great that i want to i want you to keep making stuff like this But at least now there's an opportunity for, you know, poor people like us that didn't grow up with money to give that money away. And this could be why we're poor, because we aren't careful with money or or don't uh, put this immense pressure on attaining wealth. At least now we can, like, sustain these addictions that we have. And Mm -hmm. by validating someone that I don't know across the world because you're up there in Canada. I'm down here in the States. Like I can, you know, buy your art and you can take that money and go do something in your town and, you know, feed yourself. You can do all of this stuff. Take care of your dog. Yeah, it's um, like the iTunes store. It's, uh, I, so we, we were chatting last week about how I lost my uh, old hard drive, which had like hundred thousand songs on it. And I'm still sad about that. But 99.9% of it was either pirated or stolen from a radio station while they were doing like a bit of a, a digital rehash. Um, so I hadn't paid for any of this content that I found a lot of value in and that I like centered my personality around. Uh, I had a bunch of 
art music that was free. And that was awesome for me because I was young. I couldn't afford to pay for every song I liked. Uh, and there is also this idea that uh, people who pirate music actually spend more money uh, per person than the average person who doesn't pirate music. Mm-hmm. That's because people who are passionate about it are more likely to go to shows mm-hmm. or more likely to uh, invest in the, uh, maybe a special box set from their favorite band. Uh, and usually it would be more independent as well. And so talking about the ethics and, and the uh, philosophy of piracy is a whole other topic uh, that we could get into. But I think that when it comes to who we are now, we could still be just like downloading bulk pictures and, and GIFs that we, we thought we, we liked a lot. But I think that saying that you uh, have uh, supported an artist by collecting this token it helps create this sort of sentimentality around that object i like that um uh mindset on pirating music especially um because that's what we did with uh napster in the early 2000s and i think there's a lot of that mindset in the entire whatever ethos of underground is it's you know it's a way to expand your audience. Like we do the membership card drops from these artists um, and we give it away for free essentially. And we Mm -hmm. could possibly sell it uh, and make some money uh, to keep this thing going. But it's that idea of sharing and giving stuff away because you want people to know the secret that, you know, when you find a musician or an artist, or a movie uh, that you like, you want other people to see it. And if it becomes a classic, it's because you expanded the audience. It's because you found other people that love the same stuff as you love. And I think we're both perfect examples of people that downloaded uh, music nonstop and had probably terabytes of audio files, but still went to shows every weekend. bought vinyl records of you know audio files that we got for free because we love that stuff and Mm -hmm. i think it's the same thing you create a new fan uh with stuff like this um that i don't think you can put a price tag on like you said emotional connection to something that is just a digital pixelated thing on our computers but we attach the sentiment to it something that um is also interesting in all of this is um and probably why we're we have to do this podcast is that a lot of these people that you know we buy art from are just getting started but there's also all these people that have not made it um but in our eyes like there's that hierarchy of platforms in this space right it's you know people start on tezos just to get that audience and get that, you know, grassroots movement going on their work and get the message out there. Like, Hey, this is what I do. This is what I create. This is who I am. And you start to see them on Twitter more. You start to see other people buying it. You go digging through other people's wallets to like, find out what they like. And then the bigger influencers and the bigger platforms start to recognize these people that started out and, you know, I always use this analogy and you're probably sick of hearing it, but you know, if we could have invested in those bands that we were discovering in the early two thousands, like we'd be millionaires 
because they went on to win Grammys. They went on to amass these huge followings because we were knee deep in pirating uh, music from them and telling other people about it because we wanted them to be successful and stuff. Um, and part of that ethos of sharing things kind of limits us from, you know, buying art from bigger artists because not that they don't need help or that their audience can't grow even more or they can't find more success, but uh, we want other people to find that same success too. So with this, um, most of the people that we're going to be talking to are going to be kind of like outside of that mindset and are a little bit bigger than what we feature in our weekly underground digs articles. Mm-hmm. Um, but they still, you know, their stories still need to be told because it's not, and I don't know much about this as much as probably other people do, but there's still this, I guess, elitism or kind of gated mindset of, in traditional world and that is also spreading into nfts as well too that you know you have to be kind of known a little bit to even get to yeah uh folding ideas did that uh like two two and a half hour video called line goes up the problem with nfts way back in january of 2022 i really think that uh he touched on he was really talking about especially like the the apes, the the projects that you'll just get spammed with, and a lot of the pump and dumps. Mm-hmm. And even besides that, he was kind of talking about the whole idea of why would we want a non-fungible token in the first place? And there there are some good points, and there are some points that are worth uh, disagreeing with. Mm-hmm. But I think that what I got the most out of that was a certain, maybe a certain validation. Because the community, like I said earlier, can uh, uh, be full of groupthink, and uh, also this uh, toxic positive, toxic positivity. Where if you're not uh, towing the the party line, then uh, you might be seen as uh, causing harm to others, which isn't true. But it can feel that way. The problem with NFTs is n- not always with just the fact that they're NFTs. It can be the problem with the way that we use NFTs, and uh, I think that ethical consumption under capitalism is uh, impossible as most would uh, agree <laughs> but <laughs> right <laughs> trying to uh, do our best is something that i see a lot of people doing and i really appreciate to see we're capable we can do that we can do really amazing things but we have to be coming from a place of knowing what the uh, detriments and downsides can be if we uh, uh, go in with the goal of uh, trying to create solutions to problems that don't exist or trying to uh, create problems so that you can get people to pay money to solve. Or rather just bring in the same problems from the real world to the digital world. Mm. Um, someone much smarter than me that I talked to when I first got into the space, um, her name is uh, Karen, and uh, she's a talented artist. Um, And uh, she made the point that wherever you go, there you are, meaning you bring the same issues from the real world, uh, wherever you go with you, like it's your local people often move to get away from their problems, but they just kind of follow you around. And Mm. 
I think that's something that uh, is starting to manifest a little bit more. I didn't totally understand it when I first spoke to her because I was brand new and had no business starting this podcast. Um, and she'd been here for like two years already. And she was starting to see like the same patterns from the real world uh, coming mm. into this space too, which I think um, is more relevant now than ever before because it's a lot of uh, i don't know what it is but i think it is that toxic positivity i actually piggyback off of that i think that the problem that i see is what people are being sold because hmm. even artists are uh they, they are creatives but they have to also be business people uh, otherwise they're going to uh, end up like me and so <laughs> the uh, idea is that you are able to create a product that people will want, whether it's something that's beautiful or something that might have uh, other elements that are, are like uh, have like an actual utility, not utility in the sense of being like, hey, if you have this, then I'll give you another token that has no value so that you can get another token that has no value. That's a whole other different type of utility. But I think that being able to create something that has value is one thing, but being able to tell people, hey, here's this thing that is lovely and uh you'll want to have it mm -hmm. when again you can just right click and save it for free uh why would i follow someone on instagram if i can just look at it for free though that's kind of the question and so i i need to look up who said this because i, I don't like to just uh repeat uh brilliant things that i've heard without citing my source but it was in regards to uh kind of the game theory behind uh, how websites get uh, attention and uh, get people to to use them. When you use Spotify, you don't expect there to be a carrot on the stick to say, oh, congratulations, you get 500 Spotify points that you can use to redeem for a gift card. Uh, the only time where you really see engagement for bribery is uh, on those really shitty uh, uh, phone game ads that you get. They're like, hey, if you play games, you'll get points. <laughs> uh, and those are almost always just to steal your credit card information. Uh, or uh, when it comes to uh, to NFTs, something sort of does feel like it is beginning to change, and I think people that have stuck out these highs and lows a little bit longer uh, have that perspective that maybe maybe I don't have yet because this is the first time I've stuck something out in crypto space that uh, things aren't all great and perfect and wonderful and everybody's going to make it it's a struggle and it's work and i kind of like that a little bit more um it is kind of cutting out that i mean we still get dms all the time of uh people wanting to market underground and you know expand our audience from people with you know twenty thousand followers on twitter and instagram and all this stuff it's still there but it's kind of died down and gotten quieter a little bit and so like the things that you really want to focus on and the things that you know instead of it being just you know um lip service with words of oh i'm here for the community i'm here for this and blah blah we're gonna grow together and all that toxic positivity stuff that we talk about uh now things aren't great and everyone's not making money hand over fist so you're either really here for community or you were here for money 
and you're taking a break and that's fine if you were here for money it, money isn't necessarily evil um i think there is a huge opportunity for people to make money and should be and you know to your point about artists being having to be business minded and stuff uh there is a need for people i hope like myself who believe in ethics and wanting to actually see others succeed yeah i think the way i would look at it is definitely money itself is not uh evil uh the whole philosophy uh, i'm not gonna come up with too many uh sidebars there but uh I don't think that money itself is evil. I think that making money in a way that is exploitative yeah. uh, has those evil properties that I would like to avoid. Right. And, and I think um, that is uh, a key to what we've done and why like, we don't really take money from people or sell things to people. Uh, this is more, much more about, you know, talking about the things that, you know, I thought were important because that's what I think attracted me first um, with, uh, crypto stuff was that all these people were saying all these things that I really liked and believed in. Um, and then the more time you spend around people, the more you realize that they're using the right words, but they don't understand what that entails. Uh, yeah, I think we started with uh, a lot of the uh, philosophy behind like Occupy Wall Street, and then the people from Wall Street took over. Yeah, we saw it like in late 21. And into 22, where a lot of corporations were like, oh, we need to capitalize on this moment and get into NFTs. And that's, you know, when everyone thought like each dip in NFT prices uh, was when NFTs were dead. That's when I thought NFTs were dead. Kind of like when your grandparents uh, start to think something's cool um, mm -hmm. and everybody thinks, oh, there needs to be an NFT uh, of this when really like there doesn't need to be a coca-cola nft for anything whatsoever even people that have been here in the space when eth was four or five dollars um they will get into twitter space and say like yeah i just don't know how to collect art i don't know what to do and i don't know anything about art and i will never tell anybody that i do i just know what i like i like what i like and that's it and i think rick rubin actually you know he's out promoting his latest book uh he's produced a ton of stuff from Adele to Jay-Z and all these iconic records that everybody is aware of. Um, he was asked, um, do you have any uh, musical talent? He's like, nope, don't know how to play a thing. And they're like, do you know, do you know how to work a soundboard? He's like, nope, not at all. Um, my talent is completely adequate, subpar. And Anderson Cooper asked them, well, then why do people uh, pay you to do what you do? And his response was exactly what uh, I feel I do in this space, which is I know what I like. I am decisive about the things that I like. And artists have found the information that I provide for them useful. And that's all I do to the friends that I, and artists that I've met in this space is some of the insight I provide is useful to other people. And I know what I like, and I'm able to articulate that to other people. Beyond that, I'm more. I've got a tagline for you. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Hmm. That's interesting. 
that an Alex exclusive 2023? Definitely did uh, read that somewhere else. On Reddit, but, <laughs> uh, uh, regardless, I think that that's kind of it. People can say, hey, I know all about art and, and I think this is a good piece. But unless you show that you actually have a passion for what you're doing, people follow the passion. They don't follow the, the analysis. And that's why we have anti-vaxxers. But, uh, <laughs> we might have to cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, you, you know what I'm saying, right? It's like uh, <laughs> people are drawn to passion, to people who are like really uh, uh, deeply invested in the success of what they are promoting or doing. And Sometimes that's because they're just people who have dollar signs in their eyes. Right. But sometimes it's people who care about the intentions that are being set forth by a project. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Pixel. If it's our last one, it's been fun. And if it's not, then we'll see you next time.